Welcome to Cross Lane Community Church, where we are committed to bringing people to Jesus. We hope you enjoy this online message. Jesus, we're going to talk about Jesus. And he said a lot of what I would just go ahead and say, crazy stuff. And I say it's crazy because, well, it's crazy. I mean, it's extreme. It was far out there. It was like radical. It was Did you really just say that? I mean, he said things such as love your enemies, not hate your enemies, but he said love your enemies. And he said, hey, if somebody asks you for a coat, just give them your shirt too. Somebody asks you to go a mile, just go ahead, go two miles. And he said, pay your taxes. The Romans hated the government. They they, they hated to pay taxes. And he says, pay your taxes. It was just extreme things he was saying. And it's easy through the generations in a lot of churches for guys like me or, you know, for Brett and for all of us is we want to get up here and kind of dumb down or water down the words of Jesus. You know, we're like, well, really, really meant when he said that was this. And we try to look for a footnote that surely, surely he didn't really mean what he said. Why would he do such a thing? Uh, And then we just train a bunch of people to read their Bibles, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. That's the first four books of the New Testament, and that's called the Gospels. And they have red words in them, and that's the words of Jesus, and a little helpful hint. Uh, And as you read those statements, you know, sometimes we we always would read those and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. There's got to be a footnote here somewhere explaining what was really happening and going on. And uh, that's not my goal today. My goal is to simply say, man, this is an extreme statement Jesus said back then with his disciples. So what did they do? How did they react? What does that look like today for us? What do we do? How do we react? Kind of what was the the end of their story and what will be the end of our story, so to speak. But I believe, we believe at this church, elder staff, that this is absolutely God's word. And when Jesus Christ came, he came born of a virgin and he was the son of God and and he was in the flesh. And now the Holy Scriptures reveal to us what Jesus walked around and taught. And so this is the stuff I believe Jesus said. You wouldn't want to make this stuff up. If, If you were wanting to make something up, you wouldn't say the statements that Jesus said. If you wanted to create a movement, you don't say pay your taxes. There, that culture was no different than today's. We'd say, hey, forget the government. Don't pay your taxes. Let's start a movement. And people would rally. Or you say, come on, let's just overtake our enemies. People would rally to that. You'd start a movement. This is crazy stuff that he used to try to start a movement. But here's the core. That within all these sayings, that there is truth and there are nuggets that can totally, totally, seriously change our life if we lean into them and let them just kind of like unfold us and reshape us. See, Jesus, he came into a world where all we have is the soil we walk on. You know what I mean? Like, I've got you. Like, what you can taste, see, touch, smell. That, that's all we've got, you know? Jesus comes from heaven to earth's soil to walk with us and say, hey, this is how we roll up in the kingdom, okay? This is how we do things in the kingdom. This is the way that we want to live. 
And so it's like he's, try, he's like trying to pry us away from the world. It's so easy to get glued to do things the way the world does. I mean, it's so easy because that's, that's what we touch and see every day. And so it's easy to just kind of drift and become glued to the world. And he is trying to wedge in there between this worldly living and this new kingdom way of living, trying to break that off. And so the, one of the things we're going to look at today, or just, I mean, because obviously we don't have all the time. And uh, we're going to look at one, and that comes out of John 6. So if you want to go ahead and turn there to John 6, and we'll also have the scriptures, you know, up on the screens for you guys. But go ahead and turn to John 6, and let me just set it up for you, okay? He had just got done feeding the 5,000. Now, I know this is a miracle that we all are comfortable with and familiar with, or most of us have heard something about it. Yeah, it's something to do with fish and loaves and a bunch of people. But we have got to remember the vast greatness of this miracle because it sets up the whole entire context of what's going on. This isn't just a miracle that he fed people with this small amount of food. It's also a miracle that just this many people could eat at one time. You got to think about it. In the history of the world, this had never been done before. Maybe with the nation of Israel when they were, you know, on the mass exodus. But there's no refrigerators. There, there's no way you can get enough food ready to have a gathering that large and feed them. It was impossible. So it's not only, it, it's like a big miracle to them because it's like, whoa everybody's eating. Like, we've never seen this before. Oh, wait, how are they eating? What, what, what does he have to feed us? He's doing it with this. Wow, this is a miracle. This was a huge, huge miracle. And we can't just kind of over, you know, walk it to, to get to the next story that follows this because that's what's, what sets up. So in John 6, he's fed the 5,000. And then he sees it as a teaching opportunity. He's got this brilliant idea. Because see, he, he did the miracle, and then he went to a little town called Capernaum, okay? Well, word got out, so everybody else wanted to like, hey, we're tracking this guy down. So they travel around the Sea of Galilee to try to meet back up with Jesus. And of course, they want more miracles, right? Come on, baby, break us out some dessert, you know, something. And uh, that, that might have been first time. I mean, hot chocolate chip cookies out of the oven, cold white milk, and then a hot cup of coffee to chase all that down. I mean, this is, it might have been, maybe. But no, they want more miracles, okay? Of course they want. They teach us more, tell us more, show us another cool sign. So they get with Jesus. Jesus sees it as a teaching opportunity. He's like, okay, here it is. I just fed them, and now they're hungry again. So kind of like in life, you're always going to eat you're going to get full and think you're satisfied, but then a little bit later, it's going to leave you unsatisfied, and you're going to want to do it again, and you're going to want to eat again. So here, I'm going to make the spiritual connection that say, I'm the bread of life, so spiritually, if you eat on what I'm giving you, you're going to never go hungry again. Surely they'll get this. Okay, so he goes out and he teaches it. Hey, guys, I want to tell you something. I'm the better bread. I- I'm the bread from heaven. And if you eat this bread, you know, you're going to have eternal life. Well, he says that and they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're not the bread. You're not from heaven. We know your parents, dude. You're, Joseph is your dad. Like, and Mary is your, like, and Jesus is saying, no, come on, work with me here, boys. All right. 
I'm trying to make this connection. But then what he does is he takes it a step too far. So it appears. He goes too far. He gets radical. He gets, whoa, crazy. He gets a little vampire, actually. Well, you're going to see. He, he takes a step forward. In John 6, 54, this is what happens. He says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Okay, seriously, vampire moment. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Now remember, we just set the story up, but I got to quickly remind you again already. Listen, these people had just watched him feed them. And so now it's like, yeah, he's teaching again. Here's another miracle coming. What are you going to do? Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood. Whoa, what has this dude, where are we going with this? This is not, this is weird. This is, this is sick. Um, what is he talking about? They had no concept yet of what he was trying to do. See, later on down the storyline, Jesus with his followers will be up in the upper room and he'll break the bread and he'll say, do this in remembrance of me. This is a symbol that I am being broken and, and crucified for the sins of the world. Eat this bread. It's like a symbol thing. And they then will be like, Oh, yeah, that vampire day. Remember that, guys? That's, that's what it was, you know, and they'll make the connection. But back here, we've got no context. The only context we have is the guy yesterday said, here, eat. <laughs> and now, here, eat my flesh and drink my blood. Then he goes on. He says, whoever does that has eternal life. Like, okay, so that's weird. So now tell your friends that. Like, just eat his flesh. Chew it up, swallow, whatever, drink his blood, and you get to live forever. Like, okay, this is kind of weird. And then it says, and then he, he even says, I will raise them up on the last day. Maybe raise them up on the last day. Like, wow, this is really weird to the con- in the context of the, con- of the people listening. And then he goes on, and in 655, John 6.55, he says, For my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Now listen, this is John 6. So if you want to read this story, he seriously goes on and on about this. And and, and we're not going to keep rehashing it, but he goes on and on about it. But it's it's John 6. Just remember that. Think Long John Silvers, and then you got John already memorized. Think 6, because it's one number up. 5,006. So yeah, that's the way you can connect it right there. John 5. All right, John 6. All right, so here we go. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. And the crowd gets nervous. And we know that because here's what John said in 660, a few verses later. He says, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, whoa, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept this? And that word accept means who can embrace this? Who can get on board with this? This is, this is hard. And so here's the thing. The word accept also means that you, you, that, that you would think, whoa, like this is strange, closely related. And hang on. Yeah. All right. Okay, for the disciples to hear that though, this is a hard teaching and, and here's why. For the disciples, the people, the crowd, okay? We've got this big crowd listening. But if they're starting to disperse, they're starting to shake their heads and they're starting to walk away and the disciples are trying to act interested like, yeah, Jesus, yeah, like, 
Oh, you know, and they're starting to wig out. Because the people, if the people leave, that's the buffer between Jesus and the religious authorities who want to take him out. You see, so the apostles were thinking, man, we're rock stars. Yesterday, we're the followers of Jesus. We're rock stars. This is awesome. This is a good time to be a follower of Jesus. But now, all of a sudden, uh, if, if the people start leaving, there goes the, 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 the buffer, and the religious authorities will come get him. So I got to think Peter and John were totally tempted to walk to Jesus and say, break. Everybody, just take five. We'll be back. Jesus, you got to do something different, man. Like, tell a story about a parable, something that nobody ever understands, and you always explain it to us later. Or, you know, talk about prayer. Just do something else because people are starting to leave. And, man, this is, like, cool yesterday when we were, like, like superstars. But today people are thinking we're just following this crazy guy. We're supposed to be a movement, and a movement, and a movement moves, and we're not moving right now. And so, Jesus knows our heart. So in 661, this is what happens. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? So he looks at his disciples and he says, does this offend you? And the word offend, that, that means like, whoa. Um, it makes you want to reconsider. Does this make you reconsider? Does this make you go, Whoa. And that's the first kind of hard question I just kind of want to pro, you know, prod you with, and myself included. What in your life right now, I mean, really, what situation in your life right now, if you were honest, you know what the teaching of Jesus is, and you would say to yourself, man, this is a hard saying, and I don't know I don't know if I really want to be closely associated with Jesus as I make my answer because there's going to be a tendency right there. And Jesus is saying, does this offend you guys? Does this offend you what I've taught? Now listen, the sermon is over and John the author is making it a point to say this is about to be a defining moment in the life of a follower of Jesus. And it's going to be a defining moment in your life and my life as well as we encounter these moments John writes in 666, a few verses later, he says, from this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Now that word disciples right there just means the people who had been following him, like the, the large, not apostles, but, but a large group of people. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and followed, uh, and no longer followed him. It was the end of the crowd. Popularity now, not so much. Feeding 5,000, woohoo! It's awesome to be a Christian, man. God's so good. This is awesome. All of a sudden, not so much. And they realized, the close followers of Jesus realized that all of a sudden, this actually might get difficult in trying to follow Jesus. Like, we're about to enter a different stage and a different season of fellowship that it might actually cost us something. It might not actually be to our advantage in the world to be a follower of Jesus. It was a moment of realization. <coughs> Excuse me. And, in, and, and so Jesus is so great. There's a long pause. He knows the heart. And in 667, he says this. 
You don't want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the 12. Busted. (laughs) Straight up busted, because that's exactly what they were thinking about doing. They were saying, well, actually, yeah, now probably is the time to stand up, stretch out, and and, and, and head out with the, with the crowd because suddenly this is becoming hard. It's going to cost us something. When I was at USI down in Evansville my freshman year of college, I, uh, uh, you know, just, I was really going through some life changes and really just kind of really getting on my walk like with Jesus. And, um, and I started thinking like, at the, you know, about ministry and I felt called into ministry. And so that spring semester, I was really thinking about going into the ministry and knew that if I did that, I'd have to change schools, obviously, go to a Bible college and, and stuff like that. And, and it was late into the summer before I even decided to finally make the change. But between that spring and then the summer of making the decision to, you know, to go to Johnson down in Tennessee and study, um, and then even that first year, you know, of, of, of Bible college, you know, off and on, there were these thoughts I had, and it, it, was, it was doubt, you know, of, of, well, man, yeah, being a Christian has, I mean, I, I've, I've seen things and stuff, but man, to give my whole life to being a, like, a pastor, to being like a preacher, like, do I really want to do that? Like, because here's what I started thinking, I thought, well, if I do that, that's going to put a kink in a lot of friendships that I have. I mean, because it's just what we do in America. It's like if you know somebody's a pastor, then it's like, and you got it, like you act different, like you're pure and holy or something. It's like, chill. And uh, it's just weird, but that's what we do. And uh, so it's like, man, I don't want to be that guy, you know? And then it's like, but, and this might just, you know, it, some people will, will, will think I will always want to talk about Jesus. <laughs> no, uh, like, and so it might put a restraint on friendships from being developed. And, and, and I just thought about that a lot. Like, man. And then I thought about the ladies. And I thought, uh-oh, this is going to like severely like wipe out 99% of women. I mean, who wants to marry a preacher? I mean, seriously. I was like, and it, it won't be a cute one. All of them are, are gone, you know. And God obviously blew that out of the water with my smoking hot wife. But, <laughs> but it was a legit thought. Like, well, do I want to be married? Like, because, you know, I might, the preacher, like, oh, pastor, oh, you know. And, and my kids, you know, they're going to be like, yeah, my daddy's a pastor and, you know, that. And, you know, I'm definitely not going to have any Lamborghinis. I'm not going to have, a, like, a huge house. And to be quite honest and not in a prideful way, but, like, even though I, always try to be really like a good steward with money and try to, you know, make smart decisions with it, even though that there's a good chance that the rest of my life, it's always going to be tight financially. And so, okay, that's, that's, that's another thing to think about. And, and I was counting the cost. Here's the deal. At some point, you've counted the cost too of what does it look like to be a follower of Jesus. I mean, let's take the freshman who goes to college, right? You just ended your senior high week of church camp and you're all jacked up about Jesus. But then you get into the dorm room and the people are like, who gives a rip? I mean, who are the artists that you're listening to? Who are those bands? We've never heard them. And are you serious? You're going to go to church? Like, you're going to let your parents run your life like that? I mean... And then all of a sudden, you find yourself 
thinking the Jesus stories right there in your dorm room and Jesus is saying, whoa, 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 wait. You're not thinking about leaving too, are you? And if you're honest, freshman sitting in the dorm room, you think, well, actually, Jesus, yeah, I'm thinking about leaving. Because all of a sudden, it's costing me something. It's not really advantageous for me in what I can see, touch, smell here to make friendships, relationships. And I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of not digging the idea of spending Friday and Saturday nights all by myself in a dorm room. So if I'm honest, there's a moment of realization and I'm kind of realizing, nah, yeah, I, I, I kind of want to leave. And, 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 you know, and the business guy's the same way. You know, it's like, man, I, I've, I've done business and, and, I, and I love thinking about strategies and gaining profit and doing all this, but I'm doing it in an honoring way. It's full disclosure and I'm going to be ethical and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to always put my family first. I'm not going to let the business overtake my family and I'm going to do it the right way. But all of a sudden, the industry that you're in or the, the cubicles around you, the, the people you work with, all of a sudden are like, bro, you got to turn the Jesus meter down, dude, because like, that's not flying here. Like, I would actually rather you be a little more like, dishonest. You don't have to tell the truth about everything. And, and it's a legit thing. And you're driving home and you're thinking, it appears to me, Jesus, that I'm trying to follow you, but it's not serving me well, it's not advantageous for me in my workplace to be doing this. And you start thinking, man, this is hard. And Jesus is like, wait, wait, wait. You're not thinking about leaving too, are you? I mean, you're not thinking about leaving too, are you? And so, this is going to be a thing that happens to us, I believe it's going to happen to us. There are going to be seasons. There are going to be moments. There are going to be decisions. And it's going to happen maybe regularly throughout our walk when we accept Jesus as our Savior, where we are going to have these times where the realization is that, man, this is, this is hard. The, the salvation and the feeding 5,000, all the hype of following Jesus is kind of old, I'm kind of removed from that. I'm just putting one foot in front of the other because Jesus said so. And if I'm honest, it's not really going well. And Jesus is saying, now come on. You're not thinking about leaving too, are you? Um, but here's why I love the Bible. There's this awkward moment. They just got busted. They were wanting to leave. Jesus says, you don't want to leave too. And, and this is what's so awesome about the Bible. Peter, Peter of all people, comes up with this brilliant question that you and I tend to forget in the moments of high stress in our life. And the high stress always comes with times of transition, temptation. It's a trial. There's a sickness. There's a death. In high emotion stress situations of our life, we forget this question. And it's absolutely brilliant from Peter that he asked. In John six sixty eight, Peter asked this question. Lord, to whom shall we go? Yeah, I was thinking about leaving. Yes, now would be an opportune time with everybody else shaking their heads and walking off from you to leave. Yes, Jesus, my flesh kind of wants to go because I'm a little worried about what's going on here. And now this state of fellowship that I'm entering 
This got me a little weary. Um, yes. But it also occurred to me, Jesus, that to refuse to walk with you, to refuse to go with you is to go to somebody else or something else. And I've been around long enough. Seriously, Jesus. I mean, to whom shall we go? To whom shall we go? Repeat this after me. To whom shall we go? Okay, and say it again. To whom shall we go? We're getting there. To whom shall we go? One more time. To whom shall we go? One more time after one more time. To whom shall we go? That's the question. That's the question. And the questions that want to rise up, Jesus, I can't figure this out. Jesus, how is this going to work out? Jesus, what's the next thing? God, I'm praying. What, what's going on? Who am I going to marry? Who, what's going on? Blah, blah, blah. Like we get so wrapped up on the questions. That's not the question to get wrapped up on. The question is, Jesus, seriously, to whom shall we go? Because if it's not Jesus, then it's someone or something else. And you owe yourself the question to get that lined out before you make your decision. Because you're crazy. I'm crazy. I've done it. We're all crazy to think that we can refuse Jesus in a way and not get backed up into a corner of regret, into a corner of misery. And here's the thing. It's all unnecessary regrets. It's all preventable misery. It's because we, Jesus says, you you don't want to go too, do you? And we, in this area of my life, I think I am going to go on my own way. And and we back up into a corner of regret and misery. Instead of saying, whoa, 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 whoa. Let me not focus on the question, but, but think about my options. If it's not Jesus, then who? Or what am I going to embrace? This is why our stories are so the same. That's, this is why I love Cross Lane. We're coming every Sunday. And it's not because we're something great. We're not. We just really believe that's how the kingdom of God works. And that's what we embrace. And that's what we try to do every Sunday. So this is everybody's story. Mostly. I knew Jesus but then I started making some of my own decisions and I fell away. And then I come scampering back to the church. And as long as we're blessed to open the doors here at Cross Lane, we're going to do what we always do. And we're going to just gonna say, cool, welcome back. Welcome back. Not going to judge you or hit you upside the head. But think about this. You're probably going to answer this next question like, man, you, you probably weren't thinking about who you were going to go to, were you, when you made those decisions? No. Yeah. Well, hey, next time, let's just try to toughen up and remember this question. To whom shall I go? To, if it's not Jesus, who it is or what will it be that, that we will go to? And, and, and that's why I love this place. All of our stories are the same. And Peter continues in 668, he said, you have the words of eternal life. He's saying, no one else on earth has the words of eternal life. No one else on earth can speak with integrity of the kingdom of God like you can, Jesus. Why on earth would I base a decision on someone or something else if it is apart from you? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. 
this is hard, Jesus, but to whom shall we go? And in 669, he says it. He says, uh, we believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. We've seen too much, Jesus. We, we, we believe. And if we leave with the crowd, we'll just come back and we'll come back heavy hearted with unnecessary regret and such preventable misery. Here's two statements to kind of start wrapping up for you guys. The first thing I want to just tell you to just kind of help you is just don't focus on your questions. Don't focus on your questions because here's what happens, okay? This is what happened in John 6 and it's what happens with all of our stories and some of us might be in this right now. If you focus on your questions, Jesus says, hey guys, I'm teaching you something. He who eats my flesh drinks my blood. You know, you're going to have eternal life. For the people who said, man, that's too weird for me. Like, I don't know what that means. And, and I don't want to live my life in a way that you're prescribing. So, so they go off. The disciples have questions. Jesus, I'm not quite sure. I know your Bible says to live my life this way. And I'm having trouble doing it. And I don't fully understand it. So I'm trying to like look at all these questions. But if you look at only the questions, if you focus yourself on the questions, you will ultimately question yourself away from a close walk with Jesus because you will be more and more dependent on your thinking and what you can see, touch, taste, smell, what you can hear. And all too often, it's a world that's bending away from the kingdom of God. So when you focus on your questions, the disciples were starting to think, maybe now's the time to go because they're focused on how is this going to all work out. Instead, always consider your options. If you focus on your questions, stop. Back up a little bit and look at the options. Okay, it's, a, it's, it's tough being a Christian right now. It's tough making this decision because I want to kind of say it this way, but I know the Bible says to do it this way. It's tough being a Christian right now. But before I get so focused on my questions, I'm going to zoom out and I'm going to consider my options and know that if it's not Jesus, then I am saying with my own lips, I'm going to go embrace what or who as my source of authority as my source of wisdom, what in the world on, on earth could replace it? And that's what you owe yourself those, those questions with. Again, guys, this is when this happens, is in times of transition, times of trial, sickness, death, a, a new start, a new job, a new city. Whenever there's a time like that, things come up questions start to rise up. You get a little older and you're still not married. So you start wigging out about being married and you start focusing on questions and you start to end up with a unnecessary regret because you didn't pause and say, whoa, to whom shall I go? To whom shall I go? Jesus. Okay. What of this right now has anything to do with you? None of it? Then I'm going to get rid of it. Okay. Here, I want you, Jesus. I mean, there's just a, a way to work through these things. And here's, I want to be so, so careful and, and say, when you walk away, you don't lose the love of God, okay? Hear me loud and clear. You don't lose the love of God, but what you lose is the assurance of his love. You, you lose the, the peace. If I've got a relationship with Jesus, but then I start making some decisions and walk away, you know, that's the amazing grace of our Savior. I don't lose his love, but what I do lose is the assurance now. And now all of a sudden, I'm just restless. I know this isn't right. Life's not working out right. I'm frustrated. I, I, I feel empty or like I feel no peace. 
that, that's what it is. You, those are the, that's the blessings of being close with Jesus. That's walking with him. You, you get peace. You get, you get hope. And, you know, there's like light at the end of the tunnel when you're walking. And that's what you walk away from. So I'm sitting there all through college in that summer. And I'm thinking, man, do I really want to do this? And it's almost as if that's the saying that Jesus, you know, breathed over me. He's just like, well, Kyle, to whom are you going to go? I mean, what are you going to base your life? And try your hardest. I've failed so many times, and I will fail. But I want to try to live in a way that says, God, to whom shall I go? I mean, I want every decision. I want to try to do everything based on a knowledge and a foundation with you being my cornerstone. To whom shall I go? To whom shall you go? Here's the deal. I'm a pastor here, okay? And so there's a lot of emails that come, a lot of phone calls that, you know, ring the hook, you know. And, and, and I do stuff. Percy does stuff. I mean, like all of us, we all mess up. But what just angers me, grieves me, is when I read the email and get, or, or finally hang up the phone and I just like want to kick the devil where it counts so bad because it's like, this is such unnecessary regrets going on. Like, like, darn it, I hate how this world is so powerful sometimes and it just blinds us and our decision making is not really kingdom glorifying and you're not bad for it. I'm not trying to beat you up or me up when we do those things, but it's just the truth. And, it, and this is just the point of that, man, we've just got to remember church as we're doing life to always just kind of putting up in front of us. Hey man, who am I serving today? Who, who shall I go to today? Who, who is my king today? D- wait, am I thinking about leaving in any area of my life? Because God, if I am, please come rescue me right now before I back myself up into a corner of regret and misery. Come help us, Lord. The words of Jesus and the truth of the gospel really is what is going to leave you hungry for nothing else in this world. And let's pray, guys. God, you have done so many marvelous deeds. We, we, we could not even take time to count them all. And God, you bring us back home in your grace and mercy day after day. And we are so grateful for that. God, it is my prayer, it is my plea that we here in this room right now, that we would be so quick to surrender our life to you. God, you long to bless us. You long to show us the way. But God, I mean, I I am the worst. I mean, I get so impatient. So I want to know what's going on right now that it's so easy to quick fix and try to bend our own ways here on earth, God. And it just, it leaves it messy. God, please come rescue us. Come guide us. Come be the king Let us run to you and your embrace and that you just reign forever in our hearts and in our minds and our souls. God, thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.